holy sweet mother of God shit. Hello, hello, hello. What, what, the, what the hell are you doing? I hope no one's eating dinner. The next best thing, every Monday night from 10 until midnight on Radio Free Brooklyn. Fun for everyone except for dear Jesus. Something like that. Holy sweet mother of God, it is 10 o'clock on a Monday night, so you know what that means. Is it time for your favorite show ever? No! But it is time for the next best thing. I'm your host, Jonathan B. Lerner, keeping you company every Monday night from 10 until midnight right here on Radio Free Brooklyn. Can you hear me? One second. Testing. One, two, three. Are we on? Great. Anywho, let's do the housekeeping that we always have to take care of. Let's just get it out of the way right off the top. You can tweet at us. We are at Next Best Radio. That's at Next Best Radio. Or go ahead and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook. A lot of stuff gets posted on our Facebook page, stuff that we talk about in any given episode, information, links to pertinent sites, all that stuff. Usually goes up on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash NBT radio. Also, if you're really feeling like you want to go all out and write it's more than 140 characters, more than something you'd feel comfortable posting on a Facebook wall. You can always feel free to send us an email. We are at nextbestthing at radiofreebrooklyn.org. And lastly, we do ask you to remember that we are fully listener and producer supported. If you like what you hear on Radio Free Brooklyn, if you like what you hear tonight, please consider going to our website, going to this show's page, and donating a little something something to keep us in business if you like what you hear tonight well a donation could ensure that you will get to hear more next week and the weeks after that uh if you feel so inclined you can go to rfb.nyc slash nbt again that's rfb.nyc slash nbt oh man that was exhausting wasn't it it was for me i'm sure it was for you too so that's all the housekeeping I can think of right now. If I've forgotten anything... Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Good. You know what? On February 3rd, I will be sitting here and I'll either be just on cloud nine happy or angry sad. Why is that? Because my Chiefs are playing in the Super Bowl, as you hopefully know already. If you don't, what the hell is wrong with you? Do you live under a rock? We have a great guest calling in later tonight. Mike Welch, a former classmate of mine who is currently living it up on the West Coast, is going to call in and talk some Chiefs, talk some football. Are you ready for some football? You better be. Touchdown, Kansas City! Mike, in addition to playing football in the past, he also is a veteran of sports talk radio. So we look forward to talking some Chiefs football with a real fan and a true pro. But before that, you're listening to The Next Best Thing. And that's all, and okay, we'll be back. Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. So if you'd like to support our mission so we can continue to bring you quality community radio, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. You can donate as little as a dollar and every cent helps helps us to continue to stay on the air. So please, please help support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford. And remember, RFB is a 501c3 nonprofit, so your contribution is tax deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Again, that's RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. This is the next best thing. They snap it just in time to avoid a delay of game. Tannehill under pressure. Still moving to his right. Frank Clark chasing. Knocks him down. Tannehill goes down. Warning. Stay out of the water because Frank Clark the Shark has just given Kansas City its first trip to the Super Bowl in 50 years. Kansas City, are you ready to go back to the Super Bowl? what it means. 
means to have in your possession the trophy that bears your father's name. What is this moment like for you in this organization right now, Clark? Well, I'm almost speechless. First of all, I want to congratulate Andy, Patrick, and all his teammates on an incredible performance today. And this trophy belongs to the best fans in the National Football League. Chiefs Kingdom, we're going to the Super Bowl. Andy Reid. Man, we're just fired up to be sitting right here. Hey, how about those cheese? <laughs> oh, it's awesome. I mean, it's all, what a great city. Um, I mean, I can't say enough words. I don't have words for it. But these fans are unbelievable. The Hunt family is incredible. But uh, listen, we love every minute of this, and we appreciate every minute of this. But it's not done. It's not done. Andy, congratulations. You're the AFC champs. Thank you, Jim. You're the best. Thank you, pal. Most importantly, Chiefs Kingdom. Uh, we got to do it back at home. We brought the Lamar Hunt Trophy back home. Inspiring stuff, isn't it, folks? Inspiring stuff. All right. We are going, hopefully, to talk to Mike Welch. He's going to call in and talk Chiefs with us, but... We're just going to dive in and hopefully he can chime in in the middle. Here's what I had on the agenda. So before last year, the Chiefs had only played in one AFC Championship game during my lifetime. It was back in 1993. I was barely five years old. And guess who Guess who the quarterback was? Joe Montana. Who? No. Come on. What? Yeah. Did you even know he ever played for the Chiefs? He barely did. How surreal is it that after... All these years, the Chiefs are actually competing in the Super Bowl. I can tell you, folks, it's very surreal. It almost feels, it's almost hard, it's weird to say. That's for goddamn sure. Now, first off, when you are one of only two teams remaining and you're playing in the big game, there's kind of a spotlight on your organization. That's for damn sure. And uh, I've been noticing a number of articles over the past week about the Chiefs that, you know, stuff that's not new, stuff that people have talked about, some people have complained about in the past, but like I said, this is a this is a time when there's only two teams remaining, and so all that stuff gets re-highlighted. And I've seen some articles that have been criticizing the Chiefs for their team name. People, certain people, have been saying that the name Chiefs is in fact offensive to Native Americans and should be changed. How do I feel about that? Well, pardon me, but that's bullshit. First off, I feel it's a very much a false equivalency. You see, when people talk about this issue, they're really only talking about it because of one team. There is a team that plays in Washington, D.C. They call themselves the Redskins. I hate saying that word because look it up. Redskin is a pejorative. It is a derogatory term. It is meant as an insult. It was meant as an insult. Now, that's not to say that the Washington team means for it to be insulting and racist now. I'm sure most of them don't even think twice about it. But that doesn't change the fact that it was, in fact, it is, in fact, a pejorative. A pejorative, which means it is a term meant to demean, meant to hurt, meant to classify a type of person. You can think of words like that that are often used for black people, for gay people, for Asian people. Imagine if there was a new team in San Francisco and they wanted to call them the San Francisco Fa... You know what I was going to say because it's kind of well-known to be friendly to the LGBTQ community. Well, that would be insane and it would never fly. That's a little bit what this Washington team is like. Now, it might sound like I'm deflecting and talking about Washington as opposed to my team, but I'm not deflecting. I'll face this head on. There is no comparison. I repeat, there is no comparison between the name Redskins and Chiefs. There is no comparison. Nobody, and I mean nobody, ever called someone a Chief as a way to hurt them. They never called someone a chief to insult them. Just didn't happen. Now, if you want to talk about 
some of the traditions that go on at Chiefs games, then sure, we can talk because I can understand why some of the, you know, traditions and customs might be problematic. I'm thinking in particular of fans, you know, coming to games in headdresses and face paint. I'm thinking of the famous tomahawk chop that takes place at Chiefs games, not just at Chiefs games, though. That's famous for, I mean, that goes on at Atlanta Braves games. That goes on at a lot of sporting events. Do you know what the tomahawk chop is? I'm talking about. So here's the thing. I can tell you, having gone to plenty of Chiefs games, that's probably not going anywhere. But if you want to talk about things that actually are potentially problematic, that would be one of them. The name Chiefs. I'm sorry, but the name Chiefs isn't. First of all, I can tell you, because I'm a native of Kansas City, so I know the history. The Chiefs got their name. Not from anything having to do with Native Americans. You see, the Chiefs originally played in Dallas, and they were called the Dallas Texans. When they were looking for a new location, they needed to move out of Dallas because the Cowboys were clearly getting all of the real fans, and so they needed to find their own city. When they were shopping for cities, the mayor of Kansas City, at the time it happened to be a guy named Mayor Bartle, and uh, he was the real seller of Kansas City. He's really the one who got Lamar Hunt, who owned the team, to bring the Texans to Kansas City. And when they got to Kansas City, they certainly couldn't be called the Kansas City Texans. That just wouldn't make any sense now, would it? So they had a naming contest, I believe. And one of the names suggested was Chiefs. Why? Because it had been Mayor Bartle who got the team to come to Kansas City, and his nickname was the Chiefs. That is why the Chiefs are called the Chiefs. It has nothing to do with Native Americans. It has nothing to do with anything like that. So, I don't see the argument. And neither does Bob Costas. Now, let's welcome in Mike Welch. Mike is an old classmate of mine. He's calling in from West Hollywood. And he's a real Chiefs fan and a veteran when it comes to sports talk radio. He spent time at 93.7 The Ticket in Lincoln, Nebraska. 610 Sports Radio in our hometown of Kansas City, and he now hosts Drop the Mic, a podcast which you can find on Apple Podcasts. Mike, thanks so much for calling in. It's good to talk to you. Hey, it's good to talk to you guys. I heard a little bit about the conversation coming in about the uh, about the Chiefs nickname. You guys coming out on the side of uh, Bob Costas on that? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that, but let's let's hear what Bob Costas has to say. I think Bob Costas is a very smart guy. Here, we'll hear what he has to say, and we'll talk on the other side. It seems like an appropriate time to acknowledge the ongoing controversy about the name Redskins. Let's start here. There's no reason to believe that owner Daniel Snyder or any official or player from his team harbors animus toward Native Americans or wishes to disrespect them. This is undoubtedly also true of the vast majority of those who don't think twice about the longstanding moniker. And in fact, as best can be determined, even a majority of Native Americans say they are not offended. But having stipulated that, there's still a distinction to be made. Objections to names like Braves, Chiefs, Warriors, and the like strike many of us as political correctness run amok. These nicknames honor rather than demean. They're pretty much the same as Vikings, Patriots, or even Cowboys. And names like Blackhawks, Seminoles, and Chippewas, while potentially more problematic, can still be okay, provided the symbols are appropriately respectful which is where the Cleveland Indians, with the combination of their name and Chief Wahoo logo, have sometimes run into trouble. But think for a moment about the term Redskins and how it truly differs from all the others. Ask yourself what the equivalent would be if directed toward African Americans, Hispanics, Asians, or members of any other ethnic group. When considered that way, Redskins can't possibly honor a heritage or a noble character trait nor can it possibly be considered a neutral term. It's an insult, a slur, no matter how benign the present-day intent. 
it's not about, I mean, there's no comparison, I don't think. Do you feel like, I feel like it's a false equivalency when you talk about Redskins and Chiefs. How do you feel? It's, it's interesting when this conversation comes up because a lot of times it makes me wonder if it's being pushed by people who just want the clicks because the reality is with media, you're trying to go with wherever the, the conversation gets the largest amount of, amount of run. And mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is you have a lot of people who don't care about sports. They don't watch sports. True. They don't think about sports. But they have an opinion about whether or not the Chiefs' name is offensive or the Redskins' name is offensive, and I don't view them as the same things. I think Costas is a, is a very intelligent guy. So he's breaking this down in a very intelligent way. If you do it, in a, there's, a, there's a right way and a wrong way to use a team mascot. And the Chiefs do it in a very respectful way. The Redskins and the Cleveland Indians, not so much. So I do think to put it all under one blanket would be, uh, it, it, I mean, to put all the, all the Native American names under one blanket would be a, a poor decision. But it's something we still do because I think people like things to be more black and white. Well, and it's also something that the Redskin fans do. <laughs> they do because they think they get offended, they get angry when the topic comes up. And so they say, well, how about the Seahawks or the Chiefs or the whatever? They're not the same. I think it's just a deflection, but you're right. This is kind of a hot topic in the media, which is why I think as the Chiefs get ready for the Super Bowl, it has come up again because they just need something to write about. And that's, and that's a big part of it. The fact is, there's, there's the, we're, right now we're in a cultural area of time where anything that's deemed offensive, anything that does something that people are going to think offends a group of people, and they can twist it even to def- uh, offend a group of people, a lot of times it's monetized. I mean, we, we see a lot of people who have built their brands through PC culture and through extreme outrage to things that don't necessarily hurt anybody. And frankly, a lot of times they're celebrating those people. But it comes down to the fact that, you know, any time there's going to be any name that reaches back to the history of this country or, frankly, any country, it's going to be ugly, man. I mean, just, there's no, there's, there's, we're, we're very short on good history um, in the world. So anything that comes out that is celebrating any kind of history, if it's not done exactly the way that certain people want it done, so it's going to be a story. All right. But on to a more, you know, chipper piece of this whole conversation. So I mentioned before uh, you came on that last year, before last year, we had only seen the Chiefs play in one AFC championship game ever, and we were maybe five years old. Joe Montana was the quarterback. So how surreal has this whole thing been to know that at long last they're finally really competing in the Super Bowl? For you. It's a dream. It's a dream come true in like the weirdest way because I always thought if the Chiefs did it, it would be done in a way that was like, you know, a defensive-driven team. They have a really good running back. They kind of squeak past some teams with the group. I never thought, I guess because I had somewhat given up on it as a person, I had never thought the Chiefs were going to get their franchise quarterback. I didn't think it was going to happen. They hadn't drafted one of the first rounds with Todd Blackledge in 1983, and I just never thought, you know, the Chiefs are going to go get that guy, and we're going to understand that this is the right, this is the right quarterback. He's going to lead us to a Super Bowl. We're going to no, it was the first quarterback they drafted since 1983. If Patrick Mahomes was good, let's call him a top 15 quarterback in the NFL, that would be fantastic. You know how many times guys get picked at the 10th pick or, or, or after as a quarterback and they end up being nothing in the league? All the time. First overall picks end up being nothing in the league. All the time. So as amazing as it is, it's more shocking to me because of how it's happened that the Chiefs took one shot on a quarterback in the first round of the draft since 1983, and they hit with Patrick Mahomes, who's the most valuable player in the league. And right now, he's the most dominant player in sports. Well, he's changed. I mean, because when you think about it, so we're used to seeing the Chiefs do okay. I mean, they've made the playoffs a few, you know, every now and then. I mean, since Andy Reid's been the head coach, they've made the playoffs all but one year but they never succeed in the playoffs. That's just the Chiefs. So he has been the difference. I mean, the team between the team we have now and the team they had in 2016, 2017, it's, I mean, it looks pretty similar. The main difference is the quarterback and good God, what a difference that has made. (laughs) It's it's the thing with Andy, especially because, yeah, the Chiefs have had their run, but Andy, even before that, he's always been successful. But Andy Reid has these things where he is, 
awful in big game situations. Clock management, game management, he just self-destructs. This year, even if you were to look at um, well, the first game against the Texans, there were times in the fourth quarter where it's like, how are you not running the football? How are you not letting the clock run out? You have this two or three score lead, and you're still throwing the ball over the field. If you do that with Donovan McNabb or Kevin Cobb or Alex Smith, it's not going to work. It's just not. You're going to end up screwing up. They're going to throw a bad incompletion. You're going to stop the clock. Team's going to, the other team's going to get the ball. And again, an Andy Reid playoff meltdown is going to take place. But this year, the difference has been that even when Andy still makes those mistakes, it doesn't matter. Patrick Mahomes is still completing passes all over the field. So as long as he has 15 back there saving him from his poor decision-making in big games, we've neutralized the one weakness that Andy Reid has. Don't you think that, because that is, you know, clock management and stuff like that, losing, you know, never being successful in the really big games, that's kind of the ongoing criticism of Andy Reid. How important then do you think this game is for his legacy? Because if we lose, I mean, it just feeds into that same narrative. This is everything for Andy's legacy. And I think everybody knows it. I heard Patrick earlier today say that he wants to win this one for Andy because this like this is the 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 moment of his career, the defining moment where Andy Reid goes from being a really good coach who could never win the big one, a football genius but couldn't quite get there, to being a first ballot Hall of Fame head coach, unquestionable, one of the best in the history to ever do it. So that's how big this is for Andy Reid. I can't overstate how big this is for Andy Reid. To get that ring makes his entire career look so different because there's you take away the butt. With Andy Reid at this point, no matter what happens in his career, you're always going to say, Andy, he's a great coach. He's an offensive genius. He's a football genius. The guy knows so much about everything. He can, he can do everything. He can call the plays on game day and be the head coach. All these things. But he never won the he never won the Super Bowl. He never won the big one. If he wins this Super Bowl, then Andy Reid's butt is taken away. <laughs> his he just butt. becomes his butt is taken away, man. And he gets solidified as one of the best coaches of all time. And it's a big one, his butt. All right, but I want to <laughs> before we actually break down the the game, I want to I noticed something that I want to see if you have a, an opinion on. So before the AFC Championship game, the Chiefs released a video of virtually all the living franchise franchise legends wishing them well, you know, pumping them up. I mean, Derek Johnson was on there, Jamal Charles, Willie Lanier, Jan Stenerud. They were all in there and all kind of, you know, wishing them well. One notable absence I noticed was Eric Berry. Now, reports have recently come out that after being cut by the Chiefs last year, he chose to sit the year out and will probably play next year. But for someone as important to the franchise and who was there for so long. Have you noticed that? Did it strike you as odd at all that he has been just totally vanished for the past year? I think Eric needed time to, to be introspective. I think Eric, he had a really rough run 2017 and 2018 because in 2016, he was the best safety in the NFL. And then to start off the year in 2017 is when he tore his Achilles tendon. I believe it was game one against yeah. the New England Patriots. He tore his Achilles tendon, and, and, and nothing worked out after that. I mean, he just never quite came back. He kept trying to come back, but it didn't work out. So I think for Eric, he wanted to stay away. And he wanted to stay away from this. And, and I think there's a lot of pain involved do you think him do you emotionally. Think, do you think there's some situation. hard feelings after they cut him? I don't think it's hard feelings towards the Chiefs. I mean, Eric, he understands the business. Mm -hmm. He signed a monstrous contract with the Chiefs after the 2016 season, and then he didn't live up to his contract. And that's what happens when you don't live up to your contract. It's not anybody's fault. It's just an unfortunate situation. I think he wanted to just be away from it. And that's why we haven't seen anything from Eric Berry. We haven't heard anything about Eric Berry. I think he wanted to go and reassess what he wanted out of his life and let his body completely you know come back to normal and see you know maybe can i make another run at this and i'm actually really happy that we're hearing that eric barry is going to try to come back next year and try to sign with another team and and hopefully he ends up finding somewhere where he can be extremely effective because when he is healthy when he is right 
Eric Berry is one of the best, you know, one of the best on the field. And just to be clear, so Eric, he's, he torn his Achilles once before and came back and I, and played very well. He also, and this is truly unbelievable in 2014 during a game against the Raiders left with some chest pain and ended up being diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer. Mm -hmm. He came back less than a year later and it made, he was an all pro safety. Unbelievable. That story is that he was a hero, like a real life superhero. So the guy's been through a lot, man. Yeah. I mean, if anyone can bounce back, it's him. So hopefully he does yeah. well. Another guy I think who helped the chiefs get to where they are is believe it or not, Alex Smith. I think, you know, he was the chief starting quarterback for six years, kind of served as a mentor to Patrick Mahomes, rookie season. And Patrick says as much, um, isn't there kind of a bit of cruel irony in the fact that once the chiefs finally got over that hump and have made it to the Super Bowl? It's against the 49ers, Alex Smith's original team. <laughs> I just, I find Alex that Smith, funny. Elvis Gerbach, Steve Bono, all the, Joe Montana, yeah. all these quarterbacks came from San Francisco to Kansas City. So it's very fitting that the Chiefs would be playing the Niners in this one. And as far as Alex Smith goes, look, Alex is a really good quarterback. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's not Patrick Mahomes, no. but neither is anybody else. He's so, like a Kirk he's a Cousins. Really good quarterback. Yeah, he's, he's a nice middle-of-the-road guy. He's not going to win you a lot of games, but he's also not going to lose you a lot of games. And he was great for that transitional period, but everybody could tell you know, about that 2016 time right before they drafted Patrick Mahomes, that season was held back by some of the limitations that Alex Smith had. And when they went up against the Steelers in the playoffs in that 2016 season and they mm -hmm. couldn't get any points on the board and they lose a low-scoring game at home where they had a bye week going into the divisional playoffs, that was kind of the last nail in the coffin of Alex Smith's time in Kansas City as the number one guy, unquestionably. You knew they were going to bring in someone, and they were absolutely looking at Patrick Mahomes for that. And uh, but, but with all that aside, I will say this for Alex. When he came to Kansas City, the culture needed a change. It needed stability, and he brought that. And you're right. He is a big reason, a big part of what brought the Chiefs to this point. Do you think, um, well, so after 2017, he was traded to, of all teams, the Washington Redskins, and he started out yeah. six and four before suffering a gruesome leg injury. He's, uh, mm. he's 35 now. Do you think he'll ever play again? Weirdly, yes. Yeah. I don't think he should. I think, <laughs> I think if he should just, seriously, that, that leg injury was so horrifying. It I was. thought, man, if he walks again, he should be so grateful. And it took a while, man, but he did come back to walk in. And from everything I've heard, he wants to play again. And Alex Smith is like, he's a, he's a duck on a pond, right? He seems so calm, and he never looks like anything really gets to him. Sometimes it looks like he's not even there. If something there is bothered nobody me. more locked in. There's, yeah, totally, totally. But there's nobody more locked in than Alex. It's unbelievable. The guy sees everything, and he's so competitive. He's so overtly competitive. But I think after coming out in 2005 and being the number one overall pick in San Francisco and how that all went, I think it humbled him to the point where he was, okay, I have to reel it all in. And he was very aware of every how everybody perceived him. But I really believe he's going to play again, man. I, I don't know that he should. I think it's a little bit scary. If I, were, if I were Alex's wife, which I know she's told him this, she's told him, please don't <laughs> like he had he got 79 million he got like some some ridiculously huge number guaranteed from the redskins when he signed that contract so he got a ton of money out of that i know she doesn't want him to play anymore i would be on her side with that man like you got a ton of money that you've made in the league go do something else please take care of yourself <laughs> but i think alex is still going to come back um one other okay so one more question about people who aren't on the Chiefs anymore. Did you see the news today about our friend Kareem Hunt? I did. I saw the video. How sad. Is, what a poor, I mean, you know, I saw a video uh, just a few days ago. It was taken a couple weeks ago, but it was of him. This was after the Brown season ended and he was talking about the Chiefs. He was talking about how he spent days in bed when he got cut. There was because of the video. If anyone doesn't know, go look Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt up and you can see the whole story. But he recently got pulled over again and he had some weed in the car and apparently an open bottle of vodka. What the hell was he thinking? Um, but he's, he's kind of just let, you know, opens up to the cop and is 
crying and he mentioned the fact that he feels he should be playing in the Super Bowl. And how sad is this for him? It, it sucks, but at the same time... His fault. Like, I was a huge Kareem Hunt fan before the Chiefs even drafted him. I loved Kareem Hunt when he was at Toledo. I thought this guy was just otherworldly. And I always wondered, why is he at Toledo? <laughs> and, you know, I wonder, why is he brought, why is he calling the third round? And the answer is, Kareem Hunt puts himself in bad situations. And he makes poor decisions when he's in those bad situations. And... It's hard as I know everybody feels bad for him and everything. And I still, I do feel bad for him. I don't think Kareem Hunt's a bad guy, but I think that at a certain level, you have to look at the original incident that mm -hmm. left made him leave Kansas city. Right. I mean, I saw him kick the girl in the back. Yeah. I saw it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I remember I was watching the video. I was hoping to not see it. And then it happened. And I said, damn it. Right. <laughs> because I knew what had to happen after that. You can't keep him on the team. You got to get rid of him. Right. It's just it's just the way it is. The optics are too bad if you keep him. So I knew as soon as I saw him kick the girl on the back, I was like, and it's over. And it sucks, but you go back to that. It's like that's why you're not playing in the Super Bowl, bro. You have to you have to be aware of what you have to lose. And I think Kareem Hunt is not aware of that. But the cop even said to him. I mean, the cop was he the cop told him he was a huge uh Browns fan. And he said to Kareem, he said, you of all people should not be putting yourself in situations like this. You of all people should know that, you know, it's only one screw up and it can all be taken away. You would think, right? I mean, yeah. the, I'll tell you this. If, if the police want to have better standing with, like, society in general, they should just release that tape to everybody and just make sure they all watch it. Because that guy took way more compassion on Kareem Hunt than I think most people would have. He really he did. Was, he was very I thought he was very nurturing, honestly, to Kareem. I think he saw somebody who has a legitimate problem mm -hmm. and was trying to help him and was trying to push him in the right direction and was trying to help, like, kind of rehabilitate him in a conversation if he could, which I was impressed by because that's not his job. Right. He didn't even give but, I mean, he found an open container of vodka, found a bunch of weed, and he let him off with a speeding ticket. And and I and the thing is, I mean, I do live in California, so like if they found that, they'd probably be like, "All right, cool, whatever." Yeah, they don't care, right? <laughs> but it's 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 interesting, just because of his past. It's it's more kind of like that thing that sticks into my head of if there's anybody who needs to be on their p's and q's and not putting themselves in these terrible situations, it's Kareem Hunt, man. You gotta at a certain point with some guys you wonder how important is it to you really? And if the decision-making doesn't change, if I'm the Browns, I'm worried about it. Yeah, I got away with this speeding ticket, who cares, whatever. All right, but if I'm the Browns, I'm like, where are your priorities? What are you thinking? Do we need to get a situation where like someone has to be with you 24-7? Do we have to Des Bryant this thing <laughs> to make sure that you can stay out of trouble and stop being self-destructive? Because that's what we're seeing with Kareem right now. That's a self-destructive decision that he made. It is. And, you know, with uh, how the Chiefs handled the Tyreek Hill situation during the offseason, I feel better about it because I know that they wouldn't have just willy-nilly let him go if it wasn't legitimate, like there was a problem here. The Tyreek Hill situation is interesting. And the stuff with Tyreek Hill and the stuff with Frank Clark back when he was at Michigan, which was which was bad. Right. Um, I was actually covering the Big Ten at that time. Uh, and, that was yeah, that was rough. But that stuff's going to all come up during the week because, mm -hmm. you know, it's just the way it is. It, it, when, when you do stuff in the past and then you get on the big stage, everybody's going to reach to the past and everybody's going to bring it up. But with the Tyreek situation, that is such a muddled, a muddled, like, what are the details really situation at that point? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it got it got so derailed on so many levels that it's like, I don't know that anyone could really know what happened at this point based on all the evidence we've seen. The police don't know. I don't think the Chiefs know. And in the end, without that kind of evidence, what are you going to do? Just get rid of the guy? With Kareem Hunt, I mean, look, the, the, the one-eyed monster misses nothing. When you're on camera and you kick a girl in the back while she's on the ground, uh, yeah, you're going to get kicked off the team, bro. This is how it goes. So when you don't have that video, it, it becomes such a a... a um, a blurry situation and for the chiefs when they made that choice with Tyreek I'm like I really think the chiefs at the very least they did their due diligence they talked to Tyreek they talked to everybody in the situation and they said look we don't really know what happened neither did the police at this point 
we have no reason to do anything, and neither did the NFL, which mm-hmm. is why Tyreek Hill is fine. Well, that, that was that's what I was I was actually the whole time that was going on because it was dragged out for months, and just when it seemed to kind of be blowing over, a tape would come out, and it all start mm-hmm. back at square one. And I was just freaking out because I thought, you know what? They're going. The optics look bad. I could see the yeah. Chiefs cutting him, and then he'll be suspended for like four games. Go play for someone else and play really well. And I thought, you know. We don't know all the information, and we really didn't. And as more stuff came out, it actually kind of helped his case, which is not common yeah. with these football situations. That, no, it's not. <laughs> and, uh, that actually sheds some light on some underhanded stuff from the media, too, where certain portions of yeah. audio tapes were released, but not all of it. It was very odd. They did it. It's almost like if y'all ever saw the, uh, the, the documentary of Making a Murderer, it's like they, they held off on certain things that would have made the picture much more clear, almost for entertainment purposes. Well, and weirdly, and, it was the Kansas City media. Yeah, it was local media. And they were the one with holding things to try to make it appear like, oh, but maybe he did do something. And they wouldn't release the thing that made it more finite. And the, re- and the reason that's done, and now that I'm no longer in media, mm-hmm. I do stand-up comedy and I'm an actor. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I, I'll just kind of put out the secrets. I don't care. The reality of it is this has happened. I've had this happen to me on multiple occasions where I've taken something to a boss and they've said, Hey, we're going to, we're not going to, we're not going to do all that because we're not going to release the information that we have because this story is going to get us more run. If we don't give out that information, if you give out something that gives a finite answer, people like scandal, people like intrigue, people like questions that aren't actually answered. That's why in media, you don't see every child molester in the world covered, even though they should be because it's a ridiculously insane problem we have in this country, but it's not covered by the media because there's no other side to it. The other side is non-existent. Child molestation is bad. End of discussion. Mm -hmm. If we can create two sides and create enough questions to fire up both sides, that's where you get the clicks. That's where you get the comments. That's where you get the controversy. And controversy creates cash. That's the that's the rule of, of this entire thing. And that's why you saw some underhanded media tactics happen during that Tyreek Hill, uh, Tyree Hill situation. And no one was held accountable. Well, it was one of your old colleagues, Carrington Harrison, who works at 610 Sports, media, uh, Sports Radio, who actually took the next step and released the entire audio recording. That was yes, pretty good for him, right? I like Carrington. Yeah, I like Karen. Um, all right, so on to the real game, the, the X's and O's. How do you feel about the Chiefs' chances against this 49ers team? I mean, it is, it's, I think it's a pretty favorable matchup. They should win. I mean, the Chiefs on, on paper, I mean, obviously as a fan, I don't want to get too excited. Right. That's just, I don't know, because I've, I've been a Kansas City fan my whole life. Exactly. And I've watched the Chiefs screw up every possibility they've ever had. But if looking at it objectively, the Chiefs should win the game. I mean, it's, it's, it's not even close. You look at it objectively, it's like, okay, the defense of the 49ers is really solid, but they run a cover three. It's not that hard. And we've seen Patrick Mahomes tear that thing apart before. Kyle Shanahan's a great coach. I'll give him that. He is unbelievably gifted as a coach, even with the, the – the, I know there have been stories that have come out that talk about the nepotism that he's really uh, benefited from. And that's fair, but – He's also awesome. Like mm-hmm. I, I just watching him coach, he's unbelievable. And that's you have an advantage there for the 49ers. But then you look at the Chiefs defense, which has come together very well with Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark leading the way there and Steve Spagnolo coming in as the new defensive coordinator. That thing looks totally different than it did a year ago when the Chiefs fell short against the Patriots in the AFC championship game. And when you break down all these different matchups, the Chiefs defense it's not quite as good as San Francisco's, but it's not that much bad. It's not that much worse than San Francisco's and the chiefs offense is head and shoulders better than San Francisco's at every level. It's, and, and when it comes down to, I guess when Vegas, they'd call it a pick them, right? I think mm-hmm. like one point to Kansas city. So right now it's basically a pick them game. Right. Then I always look at the quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo is an okay middle of the road quarterback right now. Patrick Mahomes is the best in the league. So if I'm betting on this from an objective standpoint, I'm betting heavy on the Chiefs to win this one, and and obviously at a pick'em game, the spread doesn't matter. I'm pretty. I, I would bet heavy on the Chiefs to win this. Now it's interesting you say Jimmy Garoppolo is a middle of the road quarterback. I tend to agree. I think people, for one reason or another, maybe it's because he you know has the Patriot Association, or because I mean he did come in and you know the 49ers were like what oh and nine or something, and he 
got traded mm-hmm. to that team and won five straight games, which looks good. But, you know, he's he did have a nice game against the Saints earlier where he threw for a lot of yards. But so far in the playoffs, he's th- he threw eight passes in their championship game. Eight. That's crazy. It is. And and Mostert was on fire, too, which is, I mean, impressive. And, look, the guys had a really good season. But when you watch Jimmy Garoppolo play, you're not like, oh, man, that guy's taking the game over. He's put in a lot of very favorable situations by Kyle Shanahan. And that's why, that's why as much as you would want to give Andy Reid the coaching edge here, I don't know if I do. I give him – I mean, I'll probably call it closer to even. But when you consider how long Andy Reid's been doing it, how much success he's had, and how long Kyle Shanahan's been doing it, it should be Andy Reid tilt the scale all the way toward him. Right. But it's not because Kyle Shanahan is a very gifted, uh, very gifted coach. He puts Jimmy Garoppolo in great situations, and Garoppolo's delivered. Garoppolo reminds me a lot of an Alex Smith. Wow. When Mike Singletary isn't your head coach, which is who Alex Smith had at one point when he was in San Francisco, it was a disaster. When you have Kyle Shanahan instead, you're getting the most out of your quarterback. And I think we're seeing Jimmy Garoppolo, they're getting the most out of him right now in San Francisco. He's nowhere close to Patrick Mahomes. I'd put him middle of the road. But the reality is he has led a team to the Super Bowl. So he's going to get that credit going. And frankly, he probably deserves it. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, I will say if there's one area where they, I think they have the clear edge, it's the running game. And that's it. Yes, they have the edge of the running game, and that's where the Kareem Hunt thing coming out this right. week makes me more upset. Exactly. And if there was one player from Chiefs history I could add into this roster in his prime, it'd be Jamal Charles. Because if you put a 2013 Jamal Charles on this offense, it would be the scariest thing anyone's ever seen. Well, and also, and I've been, you know, this has been my, I've been screaming about this all season because I said this in the preseason. I thought Carlos Hyde would have been a big piece to Chiefs, the Chiefs yeah. offense. They cut him, and he was a huge piece of the uh, Houston offense. So that's yeah, been a little irritating. Was, yeah, of course irritating. <laughs> I mean, I, I think you're on point with that, John. I mean, really, it's, it's, it's one of those things where Hyde bounced around. People didn't necessarily know how much he had left in the tank. How much, what, and then he comes out and looks great. And it's stinks because you look at the chiefs and you're like, if you just add, and to be fair to Damian Williams, he's been good in the playoffs, but if you just added uh, a, a, well, a Carlos Hyde, right. Well, do you think (laughs) you're looking at a totally different offense? Is Shady McCoy now? I don't know. I knew that they were resting him towards the end of the year, but then he got sick. He hasn't played in any playoff games. Is he going to play? I don't think he's going to. I heard uh, from some, some old, um, contacts ahead on the inside that he fell out of favor with the coaching staff a little bit towards the end of the season i'm not entirely sure why i think it had something to do with fumbles um but yeah i I don't know for sure why but they've been kind of dancing around it and he doesn't like to say shit like you know he isn't sorry he doesn't like to say stuff like uh you know i I, we we don't like him or he's been doing things wrong or whatever he'll just say oh you know he's not right we're resting and stuff like that we'll just see how it goes yeah (laughs) yeah favorite thing to say yeah. we'll see how it goes you know it's like no he fell out of favor with the coaching staff is what i heard and uh i i'll say this for shady as much as i like watching shady mccoy play the man refuses to protect the football and it drives me insane and it's why when people in philadelphia would scream all the time why don't you just give mccoy the ball more give mccoy the ball more it's because as special as shady mccoy can be he's just as unreliable when it comes to protecting the ball and the fact is I don't care how fast you are, how good you can juke guys, or how cool you look every once in a while if I can't trust you to not put the ball on the grass, especially when I have Patrick Mahomes as my quarterback. Well, and frankly, at age 31, he's not even that fast, and he doesn't. his jukes are not what they used to be, let's be honest. No, they're not. Um, but I will say, you know, okay, aside from the running game, the Chiefs have an embarrassment of riches when it comes to offensive weapons. Now, this year, that is. And there are reports about Patrick Mahomes being in line to get a $200 million contract, which means we'll almost certainly never see this much talent on one team again because of salary cap stuff. So that just reiterates to me that the time is now. The time is now. If it was ever going to happen, this is it. It is. Don't you think? And they have maybe one more year of a window. And then, and then you're going to see what happens to most great teams. I mean, 
Look, Seattle was this way too. I as soon as they as soon as Mahomes started in this uh first game against Denver, it was week seventeen of the twenty seventeen season. Mm-hmm. I was like, This guy's special and he's gonna be great and your best shot at winning the Super Bowl is the next three years because I looked at the Seattle Seahawks. When they went and got Russell Wilson in the third round, they're paying that guy like five hundred thousand dollars a year. It was the most ridiculously underpaid player <laughs> that we've probably seen in recent NFL history. And they were able to build up the defense go get guys on defense to fill that thing out. They were able to build up the offense, get a few more players in. They stacked that entire team around Russell Wilson, and they went and they won Super Bowls. They won, what, two of them? Well, they should have won two. They won one. Wait, no, they won one. (laughs) Right. They threw a pick to Malcolm Butler. Yeah. So they went to two of them. And that was that window where you had all these great players and all these guys highly paid because you didn't have to pay Russell Wilson. As soon as they pay Russell Wilson, it becomes a rebuilding process. You have to start drafting guys again because all the guys that you had, you know, the Travis Kelseys, the Tyreek Hills, they all have to be paid. And if you're paying Patrick Mahomes over $200 million, they're going to be gone. And that's just the reality of the business side of the NFL when you have an elite franchise quarterback because you can't let him go. You got to keep him. And his agent's going to get him paid. He's going to get him paid what he's worth, which, let's be honest, it's going to be over $200 million. Do you, it's just the harsh reality. Do you think, because that's true, and but that would be the, I mean, if that if you were to get a $200 million contract, that would be the highest, he'd be the highest paid NFL player ever. Do you mm-hmm. think that he should pull a Tom Brady? I mean, there's been some talk about this, where Tom Brady, especially in his later years, gave team-friendly contracts in order to get weapons around him. Didn't work this year. I don't know what the hell the story was there. But there's talk about, some people have been mentioning that Patrick Mahomes should consider that. Thoughts? Not now. Yeah, not now. What the hell Um, are they talking about? But down down the road, yes. And, And the thing is, look, the Patriots cheat. We know the Patriots (laughs) cheat, and they cheat in a way that I respect. I'll say this. They cheat in a way that I'm like, oh, that's pretty effing smart, Robert, because what I fully believe is happening is that there was some kind of behind the door, behind closed doors, handshake deal where as soon as Tom Brady retires, he's going to somehow invest in one of Robert Kraft's businesses, and then suddenly that business is going to liquidate, and he's going to get a check for $200 million. I'm telling you right now, that's fully what I believe is that they had some kind of deal worked out where it's like, look, let us build a team. Let us go get as many rings as possible. Financially, you will be taken care of after the fact. Trust me. And I think that's what happened in New England. If Clark Hunt decides to have that kind of conversation with Patrick Mahomes at some point down the road, not right now because he's going to be 25 years old and there's just no way they can do anything other than give him the biggest contract in NFL history. Um, that's just what it's, it's going to be. After that contract's up, I hope they revisit it and look at something like what Tom Brady did. Because what Tom Brady, it allowed him to win multiple more Super Bowls, to go to a bunch more, to win a bunch more. I think there's a lot to be said for that. And if they get caught, I don't think they will. If they get caught, they might crack down on it. But I'm 100%, especially when it comes to the quarterback, because quarterbacks are worth so much money now because of the way the rules have adjusted and made the passing game so much easier. I mean, defensive players don't matter nearly as much as they once did, and quarterbacks matter exponentially more than they used to. So with that being the reality, man, I really wish more teams would just say, hey, pay the quarterback whatever you want to pay him, and then we'll have a cap for the rest of the players. Because – Having a franchise quarterback at this point kind of hamstrings your team. I do, you know, with the, with the salary cap stuff. I I've always liked the NFL setup more than Major League Baseballs because it prevents teams like the Yankees, like the Dodgers, from always having an edge over small market teams. I mean, when the Royals rebuild, it takes thirty years almost, or usually. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and you know, we were great for two, three years, and now we suck again. But. Who yeah. knows when they'll ever be good. But, you know, then there's stuff like this where it's like Patrick Mahomes is truly phenomenal, but he does, he's going to have to have people to throw to, you know, in five, 10 years. Yeah. And you're going to have to pay offensive linemen. I mean, there's just a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just a harsh reality as sports fans that we have to accept is that there's no perfect, there's no perfect way to do this. If there was like this, this perfect, outline for a salary cap and the way to pay players, make sure players are correctly taken care of and they're paid what they're worth. But at the same time, you're not creating a super unfair advantage for other teams. If there were some way 
to make it perfect, that'd be great. But I just don't think that's in the cards. I really don't. I don't think it's, it, it's, it, there's no world where it's going to be a hundred percent fair. So I think the way the NFL has it, I agree with you, Jonathan. I think that's better than major league baseball. I don't like the way major league baseball does it. I appreciate the way the NFL tries to create some kind of uh, level competition. So every year, no matter who you are, no matter what your team is, you come into the situation, you come into the season at O and O thinking, why not us? You know, we got a chance, man. Let's make this thing happen. So (laughs) I love that aspect of the NFL, but I'm going to be really upset when the chiefs don't have any players left. (laughs) Yeah, no, well, yeah. And we'll see how they finagle that. Um, you know, hopefully Brett Veach has a plan. But as we run out of time here, do you have an official prediction for the game? I think the Chiefs win at 34-27. All right. Not pretty handily. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 do you feel scared saying that out loud? Because I would. <laughs> a little bit. But at the same time, I'm thinking – if I were to bet on this game, if I were to decide what is this game going to look like, I think it's 34-27. I could even go 34-20, but I don't know. Something tells me it's gonna, there's going to be something at the end where the 49ers score a touchdown, then they have a shot, right? They get the ball back or, like, they have an onside kick. Something happens where they get a touchdown, they're down 34-20, they score, and then they fall just short of tying the game up and going to overtime. And, you know, Tyron Matthew runs around pointing his finger to his head. And <laughs> that's the final shot we see in the Super Bowl. Well, hey, I think you have a point. I hope we don't get off to a, a slow start like the other two games. That's something they should, uh, you know, really think about. Don't give us yeah. a heart attack. But, um, but no, I think this is the year. If it's not now, then win for Andy and for the Chiefs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Mike, thanks so much for calling. They should. Everyone should check out your Twitter. He's at... At the Mike Welch, and what else do you want? What other social media can you throw out there? Oh, same thing on Instagram, the Mike Welch. Go ahead and hit both those pages. You can keep up to date with uh, whatever films are coming out, or whenever I have shows. I just wrapped one up at the Comedy Store last week, so it's been a uh, it's been a fun ride, man. I appreciate you having me on, Jonathan. Of course, and keep it up. I mean, I've been following your stuff. It's awesome. The Comedy Store is legendary, and I can't wait till your first Netflix special comes out. <laughs> yeah, me neither. But the, the comedy store is a uh, it, it is historic and it's uh, it's an honor to be at a place with so many amazing comedians and where so many legends got their start. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, everyone will follow you and all that stuff. And thanks so much for calling in. It's great to talk to a, a true fan and a true sports talk pro. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you, John. All right. Have fun Sunday. All right, that's Mike Welch, Colin, talking Chiefs. You heard it right here, folks. He thinks the Chiefs have this, 34-20. That's a big win. I hope he's right. All right, we're running out of time, folks, but this is the time. Next week, I'll either be elated or completely crushed. We'll see what happens. This is the next best thing. As I say at the end of every show, watch what's going on, watch the news, read the paper, have an opinion, care about what's going on, take some action and maybe make a change. For Radio Free Brooklyn, this has been The Next Best Thing. Until next time, folks, I'm Jonathan B. Lerner. Good night. The Chiefs